Welcome to the Words of Heart podcast. In this episode, we dive into a topic or story pertaining to mental health. This episode is accompanied with video and audio. However you choose to listen to this episode, sit back, relax, open your hearts and minds. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. everyone welcome to another episode of the words of heart podcast i am your host Dion sanchez and joining me today in this episode is joshua shay she Shea. I, don't I, I don't know if i said it right um thank you for joining me today joshua thank you for inviting me to come on your uh podcast i appreciate it no problem so joshua if you could tell my audience a bit about yourself that would be great Sure. Um, I've had, you know, quite a, quite a ride. I um, am here talking to you because I have a story about pornography addiction and I am actually a pornography uh, addiction expert. I am a certified betrayal trauma coach and I also um, specialize in addiction overall. Um, But ultimately my story starts like a lot of people in this world. They just don't want to talk about it in that, uh, I suffered some abuse when I was a kid. Um, Like many kids of my age group, we found pornography when we were uh, young. I found it, I was introduced to hardcore pornography at 12 years old. Um, When I saw it, I was an addict immediately. This wasn't something that took years to happen. I felt a warm rush come over me. And I've talked with a lot of people who have um, done heroin and they actually talk about a warm rush and it's the only other time I've uh, I ever felt this was about two years later when I was at a wedding and I got drunk for the first time and suddenly I had these two things in my life that could fix everything no matter whether I was in high school or college or early in my career whether I was you 
single or dating or married, uh, really from the age of, you know, 12, 12 years old for porn, 14 years old for alcohol, straight up to 37, which was seven years ago for me. Um, I had pornography and alcohol as my two crutches. It didn't matter anything going on in my life. They were my two priorities uh, because they were the only two things that I could count on no matter what to make me feel better. And unfortunately, the story with most addicts, you know, it doesn't end well, or I guess for me it ended well because I didn't end up dying. But uh, you reach a point where you either suffer grave consequences or you get help. And I had so much going on and my life was falling apart so badly in 2013 and early 2014 that um, essentially my back was against the wall with family, with friends, with work, with everything. And uh, I was basically forced to first go get uh, help for my alcoholism. And it was ironic because I didn't know that I had a pornography addiction I, until I went to that first inpatient rehab. And that's where I heard the term porn addiction for the first time. And remember, this is back in early 2014. Um, my caseworker was like, you know, I think you have some issues in this area. I'd like you to talk to somebody. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. And this guy was a, the first certified sex addiction therapist I ever talked to. He made me realize that uh, porn addiction was a real thing. I mean, it, it sounded funny to me, like soda addiction or something, and which can also be a real thing. But he, uh, he explained to me what porn addiction was. He really illustrated to me that I had a pornography addiction uh, based on the definitions of addiction and how I, my attitudes towards pornography. And he helped me realize that I, that was an addiction that was actually even worse than the alcohol when it came to really having a hold on my life. Um, and when I was done with him, I came back home. Um, I met with a therapist here for quite a while. Um, we agreed after about a year that I should probably go back to rehab, but this time a pornography addiction rehab. And despite the fact I hadn't looked at porn for about a year, I went back to this place and it was so transformative because unlike the first rehab, they started to get into trauma, you know, childhood trauma, unresolved trauma, betrayal trauma. And that was fascinating because that's where I came to truly recognize that addiction is never the main problem. What caused you become to become an addict is the main problem. And, you know, that was just, that was so enlightening to me. Uh, my background is as a journalist. And so I'm, I'm a decent writer. When I got out of that second rehab and came back home to Maine, I went to a, a bookstore. And while there were some books on alcoholism and there were some books on addiction in general, there was nothing on pornography addiction. And I looked on Amazon and there was just about nothing on pornography addiction, unless you liked really academic texts. And while I'm, a I'm the kind of research geek who does like academic texts, I know that most people don't. To me, that I know academic texts for most people are like me reading Shakespeare. It just doesn't happen because I don't understand it. And there was great information that I got, but I realized nobody's talking about this. Nobody's um, introducing these concepts to people. 
this needs to be known. So I uh, released, I wrote a book uh, in 2017, spent the year writing it. It was released in 2018 and it got a very good response. Um, and I started to learn more about betrayal trauma. And I learned about that because that's what the partners suffer from. You know, that's what my wife had to deal with. She had no idea I was a porn addict. She knew I was an alcoholic. You can't hide that. You smell, you slur, you, you drunk text, you do all those things. With pornography addiction, it's real easy to hide. And when that comes out, a lot of times the partner will be like, oh my God, I had no idea he's been looking at pornography. I had no idea she's been looking at pornography. And okay, if I didn't know that they looked at this much pornography, if I didn't know they had an actual addiction to something, what else don't I know? Who is this person that I've been with for so long? And that's a real tough thing to go through. Um, and I got very interested in that um, that uh, sphere of things. So I went and I got trained as a coach in that area, released another book that was specifically for the, the uh, partner who had betrayal trauma. And uh, then I started at that point, just coaching, you know, having my online presence doing, you know, trying to spread the word and then going on a ton of podcasts, doing a ton of radio and TV interviews, going to colleges, libraries, churches, anybody who would hear me speak, because nobody in this world is willing to talk about porn addiction, especially somebody who had a porn addiction. And I guess I'm just that rare bird who's willing. So I have tried I talked to as many people as possible and pretty soon I was getting so many requests for coaching and so many requests to do speaking gigs that I left my you know full-time job at that point which was just freelance writing and, and ghost writing on the side um, and last year during the pandemic I released my third book which was about how the online pornography industry changed during the pandemic we probably got 10 years of uh, growth in the online pornography pornography industry crammed into the first four months of the pandemic. Um, it just it, it exploded wildly. And uh, now I'm just out there trying whoever will listen to me talk about this stuff, you know, if you have a, you know, TV show that two people listen to, I'll talk on it. If you have a TV show that 20 million people listen to, I'll talk on it. And I also, you know, and then I do spend a lot of time doing the one on one coaching both with uh, pornography addicts, with people who have betrayal trauma. And then I also work with couples who are trying to go through their trauma as a couple. Um, I do therapeutic disclosures, which is you know a very specific process for sharing the information that you need to get off your chest. Um, and I'm right now really loving my life and I'm healthier at 45 than I probably have been any other time in my life. Awesome. So Josh, and I, I promise that's the longest answer of the entire interview. <laughs> it's fine. Again, I don't talk an hour, a thousand hours. I, I just, oh, no, no. I, I, have, to take, <laughs> I have to get some food in my system later. Uh, but <laughs> there's no like time constraints on my podcast. So okay, good, good. Well, I hope you've well, got four or five hours. <laughs> Um, so out of curiosity, um, what strategies or coping mechanisms do you implement in your daily life or for your clients um, who are struggling with um, porn addiction or any type of addiction for that matter? Yeah. 
Well, it, it depends where you are exactly. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just take pornography because that's, that's what I do most of. Um, if somebody is still an active porn addict, now let's say, let's say that it, it's a guy, probably 85 to 90% of my clients when it comes to porn addiction are men. That doesn't mean that 85 to 90% of porn addicts are men. It's just that's who comes to me. Um, I think that it's still more taboo for women than it is for men to seek help for a pornography addiction. Um, and, and ironically, the fastest growing uh, demographic of pornography addicts are straight white women um, because the straight white men were catered to for so many years. All of us already got our porn addictions, but now that you don't have to go into a sex shop, you don't have to go into an adult theater, you don't have to go to the back room of the video store and rent something. It's so much more accessible through your phone or computer that there were a lot of people, like religious people. Two of the fastest growing demographics are Catholics and Mormons. These are the kind of people who didn't wanna be seen coming out of a adult video store back in the 90s, but because you know, you've got the greatest porn computer in the world in your pocket, known as a smartphone, you know, these people can all access stuff the, in a way that they never did before. So you're seeing those numbers go up. As far as let's take a male porn addict, the, if he's in active addiction, the first thing that I do uh, for the first week, and this is something that, you know, the guys who are listening here, or even the, this can even work for the women, um, is to find out if you're addicted to pornography, masturbation, or both. Because there are different techniques. If you're addicted to masturbation and not porn, or porn and not masturbation, um, there are different techniques to help you get control of the urges. Um, so what I what I tell uh, men to do, and I've told I have told women to do this, but um, for the next week, you can look at all the pornography you want. Uh, what you need to do though is not masturbate to it. You may not masturbate to anything that's visual, anything that's audible. Uh, you cannot use anything as an aid when you're masturbating, but you can masturbate all you want enjoy yourself. You just can't use anything visual. So you're kind of separating the porn and the masturbation and figuring out what you're actually addicted to. What was interesting for me was back when I did this, and I didn't do this specific uh, exercise because I, I was only introduced to it a, a few years ago. But what I found when I quit pornography was that my masturbation probably dropped by 98%. Uh, I was addicted to pornography. Um, and I would have said I was addicted to both because, you know, they, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. And figuring out what the real problem is first is the most important thing. It's one or the other, or it's both. And then it's a matter of figuring out uh, when you have triggers, why are the triggers there? What's happening? Because once you are in front of the computer or with your phone in the bathroom or whatever it is, and you are looking and or not masturbating, uh, that's too late to try to stop you. What the most important thing in trying to look at triggers are, are to look at like the hour beforehand, the 12 hours beforehand. You know, that if you, if you look at porn and you break down every night between 10 and midnight, let's say, that's when you, if you have a weak moment or a weak night, 
Um, Cause if, if you're trying to quit, um, okay, well let's figure out why is it between 10 and midnight? Something's gotta be a reason for that. You know, are you planning this in the morning? Do you have an interaction with a boss or, or somebody during the day, maybe a parent or, or your spouse or whoever that is negative. And the first thing that comes to your head is I can't wait to look at porn tonight because that can happen 10 hours before you're ever going to look at porn. And that has planted the seed. And that's where you have to go and attack the triggers. And that's what um, it's, it's a time period that I like to call the prelapse. It's before you actually relapse. Cause once you're relapsing, there's no stopping you. You have to look at what those tiny triggers are along the way, because they do add up. They do, you know, um, Maybe the spouse goes to bed early and that's, ooh, I've got plenty of time or the spouse is going to be gone all day on Saturday. Okay, cool. I've got all the time in the world. And when you're talking about addiction, you're talking about people who do plan things out very carefully uh, to not get caught, to manipulate situations, to get away with what they, they're able to get away with. And um, ultimately, you you can't spot a porn addict, like I mentioned, you know, you just can't spot them. So when it comes to trying to help them, you're only going to help them in a um, very acute manner, they're going to need to be in, in a critical place for porn addiction. It's not like that with drug addiction. It's not like that with alcoholism, the stuff that you can see, but something like porn addiction, or gambling addiction, or video game addiction. You walk down the street, you don't know how many of those people are addicted to video games or how many play video games 10 hours a day, uh, plan their life around it. You just can't tell with these kinds of things. These are known as process addictions. So it's important to get the word out about process addictions. Like I said, things like gambling, things like porn, things like sex, because nobody else is going to see it early on before it's an addiction. People only see it once it is an addiction and then you're already too far gone. That's one of the reasons why I write the books and comes on, come on shows like this is because I want people to recognize that when it comes to process addictions, they are the one who usually has to get the ball rolling. It's not, you know, Looking at pornography is completely legal. Gambling is completely legal. Nobody's going to haul you out of a casino unless you're totally spazzing out in the place and causing a problem. You're going to just be allowed to go broke because it's totally legal. You can look at porn 24 hours a day as long as you're not looking at anything illegal that, you know, any illegal material. Um, so who's going to step in with heroin? Well, everybody can see that. Or even something like food. If you become emaciated because you have something like bulimia or anorexia, or you blow up because you've got a food addiction issue, that's also obvious to somebody who's watching. And uh, with these process addictions, like I said, you know, gambling, sex, pornography, video games, you have to be the one who's strong enough to go, I may be having a problem with this. And that's, that's really important. If you question, am I having a problem with porn? Am I having a problem with video games? Well, I'll ask you this. Do you ever ask yourself if you have a problem with vacuuming? Are you just vacuuming too much? Well, only one in a million people will say yes. And that's because we don't get addicted to vacuuming. But if you're asking yourself, do I have a problem with porn? Do I have a problem with gambling or video games? Or even any other drug? 
if you're asking yourself the question, the answer is probably yes, or it's not a cut and dry no. If you think you have an issue, odds are the issue is even worse than you know. And that's what I see from people who come to me for coaching. And that's what I saw when I was sitting in um, rehab was that things are usually much worse than people want to believe because while addicts are, are notorious for gaslighting, the people who we gaslight the most are ourselves. I love your perspective on this because addiction is something that affects everyone. It's not just yeah. one single group of people. It can range from like 10 to 80. Addiction is a yeah. serious um, topic that we need to discuss. And and I could be wrong because the definition is getting mixed up in my head. But um, is there a difference between pornography addiction and sex addiction or does it that's it's still you know it's the the scientists who and and psycho psychologists who get together every five or ten years and decide this stuff and they put it into what's called the dsm it's the diagnostic statistical manual that is used for diagnosing patients unfortunately it was a great it was a great resource in the 40s 50s and 60s unfortunately uh, technology moves so fast these days that 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 book is actually very behind. Um, but the way that it's sort of set up now is that um, sex addiction tends to mean every kind of, a, of addiction of sexual nature plus having sex. What I would like to see is much like we have drug addiction as an umbrella, I'd love to see sex addiction or sex-related addiction as an umbrella and then have intercourse addiction, porn addiction, exhibitionism, voyeurism, you know, the, there, there are other things besides intercourse and pornography addiction. You know, you get people who are peeping toms and that's a legit addiction. You get people who, you know, are complete voyeurs and want to, you know, expose themselves to people that can be an addiction as well. So there is, you know, it isn't just about porn. It isn't just about intercourse. And I would so much prefer if we, if we called them sexually related addictions and then broke them down like we break down heroin or meth or cocaine into these different drug addictions but that's one thing i push we'll see if that ever happens um because that's the thing is i don't like calling myself a sex addict because i know people immediately jump to intercourse and i'm i've been married for nearly 20 years now and I've not cheated on my wife one time physically with another person. We can get into whether pornography is cheating and, and that's gray area for a lot of people, but I have never actually physically cheated. So I don't like saying I'm a sex addict because most people jump to the conclusion that I was having all kinds of affairs on my wife and, and that just isn't the case. All right. So um, considering we're two years into this pandemic, which is really unfortunate and it has affected everyone and many people have resorted to all types of means and interests and um, hobbies um, due to being isolated or quarantined or just having the luxuries of life pretty limited. Um, do you think um, addiction may have rised in the past year or so? I don't think I don't think there's any way that it, it hasn't. Um, when you look at things like um, hospital statistics, when it comes to people who are showing up for overdoses, 
Absolutely. You look at statistics and it's funny because Pornhub is one of the, you know, great uh, offenders of this world. They're also one of the great statistics providers of this world. They love to brag about their, their, uh, the people who hit their site. And it's, it's funny because it actually helps me make the argument against porn. When the pandemic started, they went ahead and they gave their premium side for free. And if you look at web statistics from, and they started in Europe where, where the pandemic hit first. And if you look at places like Italy, France, Spain, year to year, once the pandemic hit, uh, Pornhub's traffic for some days early on was up between 30 and 60% from the year before. There's, so you've got you know, that many more people looking at porn, you're going to have that many more people who maybe just have a compulsion to porn, maybe just have a bad habit, but who are going to now fully uh, descend into that world. Because as you said, we were, we were all isolated and um, it's one of these things that you, you wouldn't do it anyway in a big group. So now that you're isolated, you've got all the time in the world. You got nobody to talk to. If you're active on the dating scene, you know, what are you going to do if it comes to wanting to actually hook up with somebody? Um, you know, while the internet was going great, I really wonder if Tinder was doing okay during the pandemic because people couldn't get together um, with, without risking their health early on. Um, there is there is truly no way that it hasn't gotten worse. And I'll tell you what I think the legacy of this pandemic will be with porn addiction. Uh, yeah, so many more people started looking at it, which of course means, you know, so many more people became addicts. But I'll tell you who became the real addicts or who I think will be remembered as the real addicts of this pandemic. And that's those people who started making pornography. And that's the ones who I talked to for my most recent book, which is called Porn in the Pandemic. Um, I talked to a whole bunch of cam girls, cam guys, and people who were starting with OnlyFans. Now, uh, only, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. Yes, yes. And, and you know what's funny is that, you know, I'm 45 years old. Almost nobody my age knows what OnlyFans is. Yet my daughter is 22 years old. And I don't think anybody in her generation, your generation, you know, really, uh, it's part of your culture. It's just, oh, this person has an OnlyFans. This person did OnlyFans and quit. Oh, did you know she's making crazy money on OnlyFans? Or he's got an OnlyFans page. You know, it's it's a regular part of your culture. And the cutoff seems to be right around 33, 34, 35 years old. Everybody below that age knows all about the pandemic or knows all about OnlyFans. Above it, they don't. And at what happens at 34 or 35, you are looking at kind of the cutoff age for people to remember a world before the internet. I was the first person I knew who had an email address. I was 18 years old. Um, that, you know, I was one of the first 100,000 people on America Online. I was kind of a, you know, computer geek uh, way, way back when. Um, and that changed the entire world. So my generation, I think was more, uh, porn was a taboo. I couldn't see porn anytime I wanted. I had to find a magazine or find somebody who would rent me a video. You know, now any seven-year-old kid who can, you know, type the words, you know, woman blows a horse, can literally watch a woman blow a horse. And that's really messed up um, that, that, it, that it's that easy to get at now. 
But more importantly, I think that growing up with the internet left the younger generation or now, you know, 35 and below, I think that taboos regarding sex and nudity are much lower among your age group. And I, I promise I'll get to my point in a sec. Um, think, of, think about high school. Now, when I was in high school, there was no social media. This was, I was in high school, 91 to 94. Um, if, let's say, the, the super buff uh, captain of the football team or the super sexy head cheerleader, if there was a picture of the two of them at the beach, her in a little bikini, him no shirt on, little shorts, that would have been passed around, you know, my junior or senior class like it was money. What do we have now? Now, pretty much every 16 or 17 year old is expected to have half naked pictures on Instagram. And, you know, you can go see just about any one of your male friends with only shorts on. You can go see just about any of your female friends wearing a bikini. And that was never part of the culture when I was that age. And really, how much of a giant leap, if you're more open to sharing your body, if your generation doesn't have these taboos and doesn't have certain attitudes towards nudity or even sexual behavior that were from my generation, and of course, younger generations shun the ideas of previous generations, well, you now have this generation of young people who are totally ready to take their bikini tops off or, or drop their bathing suits. Uh, January 1st, 2020, right around when we were just starting to hear about this pandemic, there were 300,000 people who were making pornography on OnlyFans. Recently, OnlyFans, excuse me, OnlyFans almost banned pornography um, because they were having problem with their payment systems with some credit cards. They worked everything out. So they did not ban pornography, but they did share when they announced that they were not banning pornography, that their 2 million content creators would not have to deal with that. So we, and this was, this was just recently, um, halfway through 2021. So you are talking in 18 months, we went from 300,000 people worldwide making pornography to 2 million people worldwide making pornography only on OnlyFans. This doesn't count all the cam sites. This doesn't count any other type thing where you can make it and post it. So in interviewing these people, you know, I assumed most were just doing it for money. And I'm not going, you know, if there's a single mom of 22 who's trying to raise her kid and keep her apartment and she got laid off because she's a bartender or a waitress, I'm not going to, you know, tell her she can't do what she needs to do to, to pay her rent. Um, you know, I, I'm not truly anti-pornography. I'm more about being pro-healthy sexuality. And, and anyway, I interviewed some, some of these people and some of them were like, yes, this is about the money. And when I can go back to my job as a chef, I'm going to do that. Or when I can go do this, I'm going to go back to that. But I did have several uh, women, younger ones, who, you know, 19, 20 years old, who are like, I've never done this before, and this is amazing. Yeah, the money is good, but, you know, I can't get a date in real life. And suddenly, I have men wanting to throw money at me. And I, you know, I have almost no friends in real life. And suddenly, I have men who are, who are wanting to fly me out to spend time with them. And in talking with these women, and, and truly a couple men, what I heard 
was the exact same description of the dopamine rush that people who view porn get. All the little things that hit the pleasure centers, well, all of a sudden, pornography, making pornography and displaying it makes these people feel, uh, gives them a jolt. It gets them high. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel wanted. It makes them feel loved. So I, I talked to them, and then I went back about three months later and talked, and there were a couple who were like, I just couldn't do it, or some who were like, you know, my job is starting to come back. And there were some who, I am never going back to retail. I'm doing this the rest of my life. I'm making better money than I did in retail, but I love myself now. I love the attention. I love all this. And it's not in a healthy way. Um, you know, I'm sure that there are people who uh, felt empowered through OnlyFans, and that's okay to feel empowered. Um, you know, I, I have seen people um, at different magazine shoots I've been at and whatnot who, you know, I've, I've seen very fat people do a, a nude photo spread for a magazine that I worked at. And it was amazing how empowered they felt after, but it's not like they kept doing it. And these are people who are now spending months and months doing this. And what I wonder is if you go, oh, 15 years in the future, are you going to have women who are 25 now still taking their clothes off at 40, probably only making half the money they make now, but they're just looking for that rush. The same rush that I sat down to look for when I was a porn addict, they are seeking that rush by making pornography and distributing it. And that's where I think the pandemic is going to be remembered. Yeah, a whole lot of porn was looked at, but good Lord, a whole lot of porn was made. And you look at the 70s, 80s, 90s, when you just kind of had the porn industry out in California, right. how many porn stars do you have at any one time back then? 500, 1,000? We now have millions of people making pornography. I don't want to call them porn stars, but they're making pornography. And much like it took us 15, 20 years of internet pornography study to figure out what happens to people and what the fallout is, 15 years from now, we're going to know what it's like for these people who, frankly, I think are pornography addicts from the production end. And we're going to know what that means in 10, 15 years. Uh, but we don't know now because this is a new phenomenon. Right. <sighs> well, I'm going to get to the icebreaker portion of our conversation. Okay. Um, so um, why do you do the icebreaker at the end? Let me ask you a question. I think the icebreaker towards the end is a nice little um, laughter or. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, 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 it's like the cracker you eat between meals to cleanse the palate. Yes. A nice little. Yes. Okay. After hearing all about porn, people need to kind of, kind of let their ears go back to normal. And, yes. Yeah, okay. Quite some topics are really depressing at times. If I'm being oh, honest. sure. Oh, so, sure. I feel like my little icebreaker segment is a nice little get us, all back, get us all back to our baseline. Yes. Okay. So I'll start with the icebreaker question. Um, I feel like you're going to be good at this because you're already an author. Um, so you kind of already have an idea as to where I go with this question. If you had to come up with a title for where your life is at right now, what would it be? Oh, uh, hmm. Dazed and confused no more. Okay. 
Isn't Dazed and Confused a song? It's a well, it's so it's a song by uh Led Zeppelin. It also was a movie from 94 or 95 about a bunch of kids from 1976 on their last day of high school. Huh. You should watch it, it's very good. You have to be young to like it. I loved it when I was like 20, and now at 45, I watch it and I'm like, I hate kids. But <laughs> but but it's a great movie when you're young, so enjoy it. Dazed and Confused. Why yes. that title? If you don't mind me asking. I think it's because they're high through most of it. And the, the phrase dazed and confused uh, came from hippie culture. And that meant that you were high on, on the marijuana. Right. I've, 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 <laughs> I've grasped that. I was just curious. Yeah, I guess. I, th- I think that's where it came from. I You know, when I was young, I only smoked the stuff. I didn't research it. Um, okay. But I think that I was such a mess for so many years, even when it looked like I was doing well um that you know dazed and confused no more is good because i just put on a giant act for so much of my life and i don't have to do that now and that's freaking wonderful oh see awesome so the title for my life um is basically being a warrior for change um i've gone through quite a lot of issues in my life health wise um, just to give you a little insight, I actually became diabetic at January 2020 at the start of the pandemic. Oh, wow. How nice for you. Perfect timing. <laughs> yes. Let's get diagnosed with a health change during a virus that is. Yes, we're, we're going to give you we're going to give you a very major condition that you will have to watch for your whole entire life. And this is a brand new world for you. Now, shut up. We have the plague. Leave us alone. that must have been how it felt it yes um but um (laughs) now um yeah that's basically what it was like the plague um but um even though i was diagnosed with it um i saw it as a blessing because if i hadn't been diagnosed i could have died and i wouldn't have been able to witness 2020 the year we all love so much well i mean if if you died my wife would walk into this room and see me talking to a blank screen and think i was crazy so it's it's good that you you lived because this would have been very awkward to explain absolutely so um considering that little small tidbit i shared um and everything else i've had to face in my life i feel like being a warrior for change it really represents and symbolizes who I am and where I am in my life right now. You should be goddess for change. Goddess is always, is such a more powerful world. A warrior is like, a warrior is like a soldier. A goddess is like a general. So you you really should give yourself a promotion. It's been, it's been a year and a half, almost two years. You've been a warrior for a while now. You're still here. You're still living. You're still laughing. I'm promoting you to goddess now. Promoting me to goddess. <laughs> yes. You are now goddess of change. Mm-hmm. Goddess of strength and change. So that we'll, is a we'll, strength we'll trademark change. that so no one else can steal it. Awesome. I mean, I also want to get to my icebreaker game, but Okay. I- Sorry, go for it. Sorry. Sorry. You said <laughs> you said we could have five hours if we wanted. Yes, I did. Yes, okay. I did. So <laughs> the joys of this segment um so basically the game is called song association okay 
you don't have to be an avid singer to understand this game. It's really just for my laughter and my audience's laughter pretty much during okay. this game. So how it works is I give you a word and you can either sing it, rap it, joke about it, but you have to say it. Um, okay, question. Yes. Do you want me to create an original song or am I coming up with a, a song that has already been written? Like if you said, uh, you know, uh, sticky tape and I, oh, well, stuck, stuck up, stuck up. Oh, and I start singing like, uh, uh, what's her name? Cardi B to you. Is that what you want? Or do you just want me to make up a song about tape? Um, everyone always asks this. I want you to say an actual song. An actual song. Okay. And you want me to sing it, not just give a title. Um, you could, it, it can, the song could be in the title okay, or in the lyrics. Okay. okay. You have to sing it in some sense. I say some sense because some people enjoy this part. Okay. And you need to, you need to, you need to give me like a normal word. If you're like dehydration. No, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna confuse okay. you. Okay. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, the words are fairly simple. It's just three words. However, and this is where it gets fun for me. <laughs> you have 15 seconds. Okay. Based off of the word I give you to say, sing it in the title or in the lyrics. Okay. So I'm just going to get my timer out. You will give me like a five second warning. <laughs> I don't really don't give five second okay. warning. Okay. Okay. Well, but if I'm thinking hard, I might lose my time, but go ahead, go ahead. You know, it's your rules. It's your show. I'm just a guest. Okay. So on, the, on. Okay. <laughs> the first word is heart. Once had love and it was a gas. Soon turned out had a heart of glass. That's Blondie. Awesome. See, okay. anything before the timer went off. And yeah. you have like five or three seconds left. So I was gifted as a, as a youth. So the next word is really simple. It's really easy. The next word is words. Words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm screwed on this one. Um, <laughs> words. If you like, I could tell you the answer. Some other guess I've given um, when it came to this particular part. <laughs> Um, some of them answered with the song More Than Words by the band Extreme. <laughs> Do you not like that? No, no, I, I hate, I saw Extreme in concert open for Brian Adams like in 1994 and they sucked so badly and this crowd smelled so much like body odor. I didn't even get through all of Brian Adams because like it was like my eyes were burning. It smelled so bad in there, but um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. More than words. I'm, I, I feel better about myself that I didn't immediately come to that. Okay. I'm sorry. That's bad. I'm, I'm only one for one. Give me more. It's fine. Oh, so the last one, I feel like last one, I want like more of these. I, I gotta, I want to, I want to go like okay. seven for 13. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a fourth one. just. For okay. Three. Good. Good. So the third word, <laughs> I can't stop laughing. The third word is faith. Faith. Mm -hmm. um, baby, you're asking all the words I say. Say please, please, please don't go away. Because I need them too. Because you give me faith. Because I gotta have faith, faith, faith. I gotta have faith. That's my George Michael. Yes. Everybody, everybody probably goes there. Um, or I could do. Can, can I do if faith is in the uh, name of the artist? Like, could I do Faith Hill, or could I do Faith No More? <laughs> it has to be in the song. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. I'm just, I'm just clearing up the. You know, I didn't get so the rule book beforehand. That's what makes it so I, th fun. I think I think that's a valid question. Um, I'll I'll have to mention that you can't mention an artist's name with the word. Okay. But okay. <laughs> um, okay. that's an awesome and famous song. But you didn't get to the faith, the faith part <laughs> until after the timer went off. So. I have to. Oh wait, I I can't. I have to. I have to think about this and sing it before fifteen seconds. <laughs> Jeez, I thought the 15 seconds was just thinking time. I'm sorry. You know what? I was trying to impress you with like a core, a, a whole verse. I could have gone right to the, to the chorus, but fine. Go ahead. What's what's I want number four. I want bonus. I feel cheated. Well, I didn't know the rules. <laughs> well, you're, what's the fourth word should be? Hmm. I guess I could. Um, I'll go simple because I normally don't have a fourth word. You're the first person that's going to get a fourth word in this okay, game. Okay, good. I'm special. Um, Just like my mom said. Yes. And a whole lot of my teachers, but I don't think they meant that as a compliment. So the fourth word is going to be um, bird. Bird, 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 bird is the word. The bird, 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 bird is the word. Have you heard about the bird? Everybody's heard about the bird. The bird, 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 bird is the word. There you go. Awesome. That wasn't the song I was thinking in my head when I just gave that, but that what is What were you the thinking? Um, I was thinking of Fly Like a Bird um, by Nelly oh, okay. Furtado, but- um. Yeah, that's good, that's good, yeah. Um, doesn't, isn't the- uh, uh, the song Kissed by a Rose by Seal. I think that has a chorus about doves. Oh, When Doves Cry by Prince. I should have done that. You would have given me 30 seconds. I would have told you, you know, about my father and how he's never satisfied. And, you know, so. Oh, maybe I should. Mm, well, <laughs> maybe we'll do Prince next time because I am a princess because of my dad. Um, yeah, oh God, Prince is awesome. One of my favorite shirts is my vintage purple rain shirt <laughs> well we can talk music all night long because this has been a who and you're the only guest 
who has ever had four words glad to come well, up with exactly, one exactly so we will call this we'll call it a very special episode <laughs> that always pops ratings yes unfortunately josh we have to end this conversation even though it's not it's a thousand okay. hours yet but it'll be a thousand hours in the future i'm sure but good, um, good. Before we end this episode, do you have any social media links where people can find your book? Are you going to have a movie soon? Give us the insights. Uh, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a movie, but I don't think uh, I, I don't think anybody can, would want to play me. Um, and anyway, um, yeah, I do. I have, I have a lot of stuff. If you uh, want to know, and I'll make it real easy for everybody, if you want to know anything about my books, if you want to read, uh, I, I write articles every week. Um, if you need any resources regarding porn addiction or betrayal trauma, uh, come on over to my website. It is paddictrecovery.com. That's the letter P, addictrecovery.com. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, it's just at paddictrecovery. Um, I don't have Facebook because I frankly don't care how you voted. Well, um, thank you, Joshua, for joining me today. This was an awesome conversation and an absolute pleasure because this is the first time I discussed this topic on my podcast, and I'm sure it's going to make an impact. Absolutely. And like, like I was telling you before we started, I've been doing this now for about four years. And for a long time, I was like, is anybody out there? Is anybody listening to this stuff? You know, am I getting through? And I now have been doing this long enough where people contact me like, hey, I heard you on this podcast. Can you help me? Or hey, I found your book at the bookstore and I've got some questions. Will you help me? So if anybody wants, you know, I'm not going to charge anybody if they have a question or two that they need answered. Uh, but I am around if people, you know, do need coaching and feel like they need somebody who has been there or somebody who really understands the topic more. Um, and again, I just want to thank you for letting me do this with you because um, while I have the message, you do have the medium. And there were people who you have you know, introduced me to today who I otherwise never would have got through. So I absolutely appreciate you for being you know, brave enough to tackle this. Not everybody is. And for also making it fun. You know, I, I, also, I, always, I always tell people that these kinds of shows have to be entertaining too to get through it. Because if this is, if this is like an academic text, nobody's going to read it. So, you know, let's just talk about, let's talk about the way the world is. Let's not worry about shame. Let's not worry about embarrassment. You know, let's look at things the way they are. And if something is shameful or embarrassing, we can change it, but let's, you know, let, let's have more open dialogues. We can't talk about pornography addiction until we're okay talking about pornography. And you and I, you know, have talked for 30 or almost an hour about pornography without it ever getting graphic or gross or R-rated. It's possible to talk about it without it being that way. So, you know, again, thank you for, for, for letting me have a really good time with you tonight and letting uh, your listeners know um, some important things. No problem. To all my listeners, thank you for joining us in this latest episode of the Words Apart podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, here are some of the ways you can follow up, reach, subscribe. If you could send it to the moon, that would be awesome. 
feel free to let me know how you do that. Either way, here are the ways you can listen to this episode. We are on Facebook at the Words of Heart Podcast. We are also on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and Google. <laughs> oh, yes, Josh. I have a question. Um, if we are able to communicate with astronauts who are actually further than the moon, isn't it pretty easy to send this podcast to the moon? I didn't think of the astronauts whenever I, this, whenever I say if you could send it to the moon, that would be awesome. But I meant like other life forms listening to it, not just. Oh, okay. The like Martians. Okay. Yes. Aliens. Okay. I see. I see. I'm sorry. Maybe you should say like Neptune. Okay. Neptune. Or, or Venus. Okay. Venus. Saturn. Send it to all far regions of the galaxy. That's, you're covered. I think you're covered. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, however you choose to listen to it, please let me know. I'm also on Twitter at HeartWarrior24. I'm also on Instagram at HeartWarrior25. Once again, I am your host, Dion Sanchez. Thank you again for joining me, Joshua Shea. Thank you. <laughs> and until next time. Bye.